Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn DeWire and this episode is Five of the Greatest Killers in Irish History. In a show with a title such as this, you might expect the names of Oliver Cromwell or Strongbow to appear. Now there's no doubt that these men are responsible for the deaths of thousands of people in Ireland. But the greatest killers in Irish history are not humans, but in fact disease. Now, there's no doubt that the ability of diseases to kill humans is always linked to human factors like poverty. But in this podcast, I'm going to focus on the diseases themselves. The first disease I'm going to look at is leprosy, the scourge of the medieval world. Before I begin, I am delighted to announce that next week, my first audiobook on the life of Brian Baru and the Battle of Clontarf will be available on my website irishhistorypodcast.ie This is a fascinating story many of you will know bits and pieces about but this audiobook traces Brian's life from his childhood to his death. It's told in an engaging narrative like these podcasts so it's suitable for all ages and is a great way to understand not only Brian Baru's life and the Battle of Clontarf but also what daily life was like in Ireland in the 10th century. You can find out more at irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash Brian Baru. One of the most iconic diseases of the Middle Ages has to be leprosy. No TV show or film on medieval life would be complete without the bandage-wrapped leper making an appearance. This disease instilled fear in medieval people, the like of which we cannot understand today. Indeed, there's no illness in the West like it in the 21st century. While leprosy is not as lethal as some of the other diseases we will discuss in this show, it nevertheless terrified our ancestors. Leprosy's frightful reputation was not due to a large death toll as such, but more so what it did to those who contracted the infection and how they were treated by wider society. 
Leprosy was truly horrific, causing a severe disfigurement of the victim. Slowly but surely, over a period of decades, the disease killed the nerve endings in the patient's extremities, like their fingers and toes, while their face developed swellings. Before death, many sufferers would have lost fingers, toes and even in some cases, their noses. Perhaps even worse than this disfigurement though, was the manner in which medieval society dealt with the disease. The term leper is synonymous in modern English with an outcast arising from the manner in which victims of leprosy were treated in the medieval period. Medics of the day were completely out of their depth when it came to dealing with the disease. It was caused by an infection and given that there was no understanding of antibiotics, there was no cure or effective treatment. Indeed, no one even knew exactly how it was transmitted. Many suspected it was spread through sexual intercourse, when in fact it was passed from person to person by droplets, meaning anyone living in close quarters to a victim was at risk. Therefore, the only effective remedy was exclusion of the sufferer from society. So, those who contracted the disease were shunned. Indeed, so severe was this exclusion that the church even had its own service for the victim, in which they were told, in no uncertain terms, that their life was as good as over. In the words, Be thou dead to the world, but alive again unto God. They were even given a clapper which made a distinctive noise to warn people of their approach. To facilitate this exclusion, hospitals were built across Europe for lepers. Dozens of these buildings were sprang up in Ireland in the 13th and 14th century. Even smaller towns like Clare Galway and Goran had their own such institutions. Indeed, the widespread nature of these buildings reflected the extent to which leprosy was abound in medieval Ireland. Exclusion and such hospitals undoubtedly limited the spread of leprosy, but it couldn't stop it. It's believed that it may have been responsible for about 1% of all deaths in the medieval period, claiming some notable victims along the way, including Baldwin IV, the King of Jerusalem, a historical figure upon whom the king in the movie Kingdom of Heaven is based. Closer to home, it is believed that Robert the Bruce, the King of Scotland, died from the disease in 1329. In Ireland, one of the more famous victims was the Viking King of Dublin, Godfrey Citrixen, who died in 951. While leprosy preoccupied the medieval imagination, it was by no means the greatest killer of the age. This infamous honour falls to a combination of the next two illnesses, one which didn't actually directly infect humans, but had a massive impact on our ancestors nonetheless. Over the course of the previous podcasts, you will have heard me on numerous occasions refer to the horrors of war and famine that struck Ireland between 1315 and 1318. While the Scots invaded the Norman colony, the island, along with much of Europe, was struck by one of the worst famines of European history. By 1320, after around 10% of the population had died from starvation, it appeared the worst was over. Little did anyone know, however, another pathogen was making its way across Europe to Ireland. This disease did not affect humans, 
but instead devastated cows and oxen, but its impact was still very severe. Having originated in Asia in the late 13th century, it struck Ireland in 1321. While we are not exactly certain what it was, historians have speculated that it may have been either anthrax, foot and mouth disease, or most likely, rinderpest. Whatever it was, it devastated Ireland's herds. Given doctors struggled with human medicine, needless to say, veterinarian medicine wasn't up to much either. Recent studies from records have revealed that around 62% of bovine stock in Wales and England were killed. There's no reason to believe the impact in Ireland was any less severe. The Annals of Loch described it as a great cow destruction throughout all Erin, the like of which was not seen before. This must have created a very eerie atmosphere across Ireland. Cattle herds in the 14th century numbered in their thousands, so the landscape must have been strangely empty and quiet, not to mention the awful stench of rotting carcasses. If cattle stocks were decimated to this extent in the 21st century, it would have serious economic impacts. But in the 14th century, it was absolutely calamitous. Cattle were not the only source of meat, but they were also the primary source of fertiliser, while oxen, which were also killed by the disease, were the tractor of the medieval world, used in ploughing and hauling. It must have been akin to an oil crisis in this regard. While evidence suggests that horses were brought in to replace the lost oxen, there were serious side effects to the loss of cows. The lack of fertiliser from the manure of cattle impacted crop yields. It's not certain, but this may explain the famine mentioned in the Annals of Ulster in 1321. The greatest impact of the crisis, though, was the loss of milk that the cattle produced. Finding other sources of milk was not easy. The best alternative was sheep, but it took 10 yos to produce an equal amount of milk to just one cow. It was not possible, therefore, to meet the shortfall, and milk production plummeted by up to 80%. This had a major impact on the health of many people. While it appears few died, a generation born in the 1320s grew up amid severe milk shortages and therefore suffered from deficiencies in calcium and vitamin D. This would have long-term consequences on their health, which came to a macabre fruition in 1348 when another disease reached Ireland, the Black Death, which was, by a long distance, the greatest killer in Irish and European history. In the summer of 1348, ships from England, or possibly the continent, arrived in Ireland, carrying with them the greatest threat to human survival in recorded history, a disease called the Black Death. This disease, which spread through the fleas on rats, was absolutely deadly. Well over 50% of those who contracted the illness perished in agonising pain. Many burned with fever, Others developed black patches on their skin due to internal bleeding, while other sufferers still writhed in pain due to large buboes or pus-filled swellings in their armpits, groin and neck. The plague, or great mortality as it was called at the time due to its highly infectious nature, will claim between 40 and 50% of the medieval population. 
While it was the plague itself that caused this illness, historians in recent years have started to look back at the chaotic early 14th century to explain why its impact was so severe. That generation of the early 1320s who had arguably suffered a childhood marked by a lack of milk were arguably in a very poor position to fight an illness such as the Black Death in the late 1340s. This lethal combination, therefore, of bovine plague on one hand and then the Black Death transformed medieval Europe, including Ireland. Medieval society had already been under severe strain in the late 13th and early 14th century for several reasons, but it was shattered by this apocalyptic disease. With perhaps 50% of the labour force dead, the poor, for the first time, had immense power. The first 10 years after the plague were marked by chaos as people struggled to adapt to the massively changed world. But then, in the decades following, the relations between those who served and those who were served, fundamental to medieval society, began to change rapidly. The poor were increasingly powerful as the rich could not as easily find people to work the land. Their increased power was matched by an unwillingness to be treated in the servile manner their forebears had. This was best seen in the Peasants' Revolt in England in 1381. In this new environment, the feudal bonds of the medieval world disappeared, giving way to capitalism in the following centuries. The plague also contributed to other changes, including, most importantly, the Reformation. The power of the church was seriously questioned in the aftermath of the Black Death, as many clerics, from parish priests to bishops, had abandoned their flock to try and save themselves in the hour of greatest need. This increased questioning of the church, and in particular its hierarchy, was integral to the Reformation and the emergence of Protestantism in the following centuries. While the Black Death fatally damaged medieval Europe, the disease which had the greatest impact on modern Ireland was not a disease of humans, but instead a disease of plants. Before I delve into this, I want to take a quick break. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
Let's get back to the show. In the last podcast on the history of the potato, I outlined how the vast majority of the Irish population had become dependent on the potato by the mid-19th century. Now, I won't go back over that again, but if you haven't heard that show, it's worth checking out. In terms of this episode, it suffices to say that upwards of perhaps 75% of the population of Ireland were utterly dependent on the potato by 1845. In what was perhaps the most famous impact of disease in European history, the potato crop was impacted by blight for several years running in the late 1840s. Blight is a fungus that grows on the leaves of plants, but it also causes the potatoes in the ground to turn into a completely inedible mush. The impact of the blight destroying the crop in Ireland was severe. Starvation followed on a truly catastrophic scale, changing Irish society in almost every way imaginable. Around 800,000 people died from starvation and related diseases, and one million people emigrated. It also had a major impact on politics and the development of Ireland in the subsequent decades. After the potato crop failed, the response of the British government, which then ruled Ireland, had been wanting, to say the least. After 1847 in particular, relief schemes were nothing short of appalling. Racism and religious sectarianism prompted many politicians and civil servants in England to issue statements about how Irish people were being punished by God and deserved their fate. Unsurprisingly, in the aftermath of the famine then, resentment generated by such statements and the lack of action which caused the deaths of thousands of people manifested itself politically. Within seven years of the famine subsiding, the Irish Republican Brotherhood was formed, an organisation committed to breaking the link between Ireland and Britain. While it was by no means the first Republican organisation in Ireland, the famine was a major factor in its success in the following decades. Memories of this horrific event was never far from political rhetoric during this period, and indeed by the early 20th century Ireland was moving inexorably to some form of independence, be it home rule or complete political and economic independence. The latter was the road ultimately taken in the 26 counties, something that was intrinsically linked to the famine of the 1840s. However, as Ireland moved towards independence in the early 20th century, the final disease we will look at today was arriving on our shores. The death toll of this disease was catastrophic and indeed relatively recent, but surprisingly is perhaps one of the least well-known. The early 20th century was marked by one of the worst wars in recorded human history. Between 1914 and 1918, the British, French and Russian empires fought the German, Austro-Hungarian and Turkish empires in World War I. The trenches where Europe's working classes were slaughtered in their millions have since become an iconic standard of the folly of war. For those who survived the unbearable carnage, they returned home to find a Europe in turmoil. Ireland was no exception. Strikes and trade union struggles were increasingly common and then, in 1919, the War of Independence broke out. However, in a society whose population was scarred by war, many of whom were thankful to have survived. 
lurked another mass killer. This was known as the Spanish flu. So called because it had broken out originally in Spain in 1917, it ravaged not just Ireland, but the entire planet, claiming an astounding 40 million victims before it ran its course in 1919. It spread rapidly through 1918 as the World War came to an end, meaning millions of soldiers and refugees were on the move. Worse still, many of these people were malnourished and unable to fight the flu, which quickly became a pandemic. It arrived in Ireland in 1918, just in time to wreak havoc during the chaos of the War of Independence, which began early the following year. Those struck down saw their skin turn black or purple, and in some cases it could even prove fatal within 24 hours. Can you imagine the anger of returning soldiers coming back from the misery of World War I, who had spent years in trenches, then to lose their relatives they had not seen in years. Their anger must have been palpable. There was little or no effective treatment for the flu, which led to some less than orthodox medicines appearing. One of the most bizarre was the suggestion of taking formaldehyde with lactose. Needless to say, it had little effect. By the time it had run its course, the disease killed 23,000 people, making it the greatest pandemic in Irish history in the 20th century. Now, deciphering the impact of the flu is very difficult, however. If it had happened in peacetime, it would be possible to see changes in human behaviour which resulted from it. But sadly, it's really difficult to disentangle it from the chaos of the War of Independence and the aftermath of the First World War. It goes without saying, however, that if there was 23,000 victims in a population of just 4.5 million, pretty much everyone must have known someone who died. Sadly, in the years and decades after this horrific pandemic, those who died were largely forgotten in a society which focused on the easier to comprehend and indeed celebrate War of Independence. Now, if you want to read more about the Spanish flu, I would really recommend checking out an article entitled Ireland and the Great Flu Epidemic of 1918 on the website theirishstory.com. It's really informative and will give you a good picture of how it impacted the various political events going on at the time. That's it for this episode, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to contact me about this episode or indeed the upcoming audiobook on Brian Baru, you'll find me at Irish History on Twitter or Irish History Podcast on Facebook. The next you're going to hear from me is that audiobook on Brian Baru, which is, it goes without saying, one of the greatest stories from Irish history. So that will be out next week. To ensure you find out exactly when the book is released, go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash Brian Baru and enter your email into the form at the bottom of the page and I will email you once the book is out. Until then, Sloan. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.